So today I'm talking to Alan Silver. Hi, Alan. Hi. And you've just taken over as operations pastor at church. Yes, I have. I started just before Christmas, um, getting settled in and got stuck in in the new year. Excellent. So tell us, what does a typical day look like for you? Um, well, typical, not so much. I, I do I do everything and all over. I'm literally from arranging things in the office to making sure we work more efficiently as a team to uh, running everything on a Sunday and being sort of the point of contact for a lot of people. No day, genuinely, I know this is like an overused phrase, but no day actually looks the same. <laughs> it's, it's very varied, which I really, really like after having worked in very limited sort of roles and jobs. So your job is obviously very varied. Yeah. Which bit are you enjoying so, uh, enjoying the most so far? Honestly, probably the variety. The sort of variety and it's also a much more relational role that I've had, than I've had before. Bear in mind, this is not a type of role I've done before. But um, yeah, I'm really enjoying focusing internally as a team um, and making sure sort of basically change management and making sure I look at what, what we're doing. Is it the best way to do it? Is that a better way to do it? Do I have everybody's buy-in? Um, and can I improve the way that sort of we operate as a team? Yeah, yeah. that sounds great. Yeah, Looking forward it. to seeing what's going to happen next. Oh, there's a lot in the works. <laughs> <laughs> but have you ever see you doing it? Is that oh, the idea? Oh, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> I've said this a few times and people are, I'm starting to get comments of people going, Mr. Invisible. <laughs> because I keep saying uh, that, like, I, I, the way I see it is at least in the sort of more operational, operational less relationship-focused areas of the job, the more invisible I am, the better things are running. And when things start to go wrong and my name starts coming up, that's when it's like, oh, okay, that's, I'm not doing that right. I'm sure that's not true. Yeah. I always love seeing your smiling face around church. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> as long as we to, keep seeing I that. I try to be, yeah. <laughs> um, let's go back to the beginning. Sure. Tell me a little bit about growing up, becoming a Christian. Yeah, was that a gradual journey for you or was there a particular moment that you can pinpoint and say that was the day? How, how, how did it come about? I guess I fall into the sort of classic church kid. Um, I, I grew up with grandparents and uncles and aunties and people around me being ministers. My parents are actually the only, my mom is one of three and she's the only of the three sisters that didn't go into sort of full-time ministry. But nonetheless, they were, my parents were super active in the church. They were youth, youth leaders uh, when I was um, young. And I grew up, I grew up in Brazil. I grew up in the Salvation Army. My grandparents actually m- migrated to Brazil as sort of pastors, missionaries of the Salvation Army to take over some projects there, um, which meant that my mom, who was three at the time, she's the youngest of the three, um, moved and grew up there. Um, so I grew up in church. And so it's, it's, it's hard to put sort of a... Yeah, sort absolutely. Of a really clear line. Yeah, I think lots of people had a, a similar journey, yeah. and so they can say, "Oh, yeah, I grew up like this." Oh, there was this one particular youth event, but yeah, yeah. apart there you was know, many of those. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> I'm always promising again. Yes, I'll, I follow you, absolutely. Jesus. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I was one of those. Yeah, um, but then yeah, I moved to England when I was fourteen, um, or just turning fourteen, with my mom and my sister. My dad came a little bit after tried to continue going to the Salvation Army for a few years and slowly sort of started fizzling out. I wasn't finding the type of relationships of people similar to me in my age mainly um, that I that I wanted and I ended up meeting a few friends. A lot, that's another story, but ended up at a Brazilian church where which is where I sort of grew up, did my sort of classic youth sort of years of church um, in Bournemouth oh. in the south of the country. And um, so... Following on from that, how did you come to be at Southwest London Vineyard? 
Uh, yeah, so, I mean, many years later, where I was already with my wife, Emily, we... Um, she we both studied in London for a while so I did I went to a music institute and studied uh, professional songwriting um, and Emily was studying dance um, and we after that we moved to Bournemouth for a little bit um, and but Emily always had this sort of feeling that she felt like God wanted us in London so after we got married a couple of two years I think after we got married she got a job a teaching job in London um, we moved for that I sort of found a job myself as well and we did a classic looking for a church thing, went on Google, found the vineyard. The people, we, we had relationships in Bournemouth with a lot of people that are part of vineyard churches there and, and others. And they said, oh, you should try a vineyard church. And we're like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll do that then. So we literally Googled vineyard churches near us, found the one in Ballon, but it was too close to where Emily was teaching. Um, and it was really new at the time. This was 2015. So she said, oh, I don't want to go to church like right next to my school. So the next one was Putney. And we went with the idea, you know, a lot of people do, let's let's visit churches, let's try this one and then that one. But we went one Sunday and then we got invited to the yard on that week, to that same week, to Neil's house for something else. And we just found ourselves like, oh, do you want to go back there again this Sunday? And then again, and then again. And seven years later, we basically didn't try a different church. Yeah. We stayed. We oh. stayed put. And you didn't try any others? You were like, no. No, no. we literally, we, this was the first one we tried. We, we just felt... Uh, really welcomed and it just felt really natural and the more we came the more we sort of got involved in the life of the yeah. church uh f started building relationships and it yeah. never felt like we oh we didn't try anywhere else but it just yeah. felt really natural to stay yeah so we stayed and we've been here obviously for seven years yeah <clears throat> you and emily i'm sure have served on lots of different teams which one's been your favorite yeah i mean um i sort of built a relationship with james wake when i joined the church and eventually um, he found out that I played. I say he found out because I specifically gave him, gave him instructions not to tell anybody that I was into music because I came from a massive sort of burnt out kind of space. And I just wanted to be a little bit sort of, I just wanted to go to a church and not yeah. have to do anything. But eventually they found out and I joined the worship team. Um, did that for a few years until just before pre-pandemic. And Emily has been serving on Vineyard Kids as well yeah. ever since. She's done a few workshops uh, with kids over the years she's done a few dance workshops and things like that um, and yeah um, so to be honest I've only ever sort of done mainly primarily sort of the worship team um, great which has been my well it sounds amazing <laughs> yeah and we do appreciate that <laughs> yeah. moving on from that it has there been a time when you felt particularly close to God or has there been a moment <clears throat> in your life where you've asked for a miracle you've asked for the Lord to step in and you can say definitely you know, the Lord did that for me. Yeah, I think that there's probably been a few. There's no, there's no like clear super miracle that I think I remember praying for. But especially looking back more so, to be fair, there's moments where it's like, this clearly happened because of God. Like things obviously moved and um, turned out certain ways. There's no other way of explaining it. But yeah, definitely in my youth days, um, I think going back to sort of getting married I remember being in London um, Emily was doing some great sort of dance things with her university creating some amazing opportunities of um, major companies that she was dancing for I had a band at the time that was sort of doing well we were doing radio interviews we've been on premiere a couple of times but I just remember having this conviction of no wanting to get married and I knew that I couldn't do that in London in a student sort of budget and I needed a job to you know save money all of that and, I, and, and that's when I decided to sort of, I felt real peace about it. I prayed about it. I decided to propose to Emily and move back to, to Bournemouth to 
save money. And we did. So we, we lived sort of apart for a couple of years while she finished uni and whilst I saved for us to get married. And she also saved every penny of her student loan that she could. She was like scrimping away at uni. But that was a clear moment of direction, I think, that I felt really peaceful about sort of scared and peaceful at the same time about what I feel like God wanted me to do mm. um, and it's by far probably one of the best things I've ever done because Emily and I are still obviously still marrying Emily about would be the... to have our second kid <laughs> yeah. because of that sort of decision that I felt there was yeah. a really clear direction for me yeah. yeah and yeah it's worked out really well yeah we're super happy <laughs> many years later do you have any um, particular bible passages or worship songs that you connect with that time or in general oh. your favorite ones um i listen to a lot of music like I, i'm obsessed with that spotify wrapped and i listen to sort of tens of thousands of hours of music a year so it, it's hard to pick one. I'm like super obsessed about music recommendations. And so I, there's no way I can pick one. Bible passage wise, um, I've always really loved the Gospels. But really specifically, I've always loved uh, the parables and um, the, the parable of the prodigal son, I find quite interesting. And always have Luke 15, I think it is. Because I found myself at different times of life, seeing myself as different characters from that parable. Because it's always the, oh, the lost son, have you lost your way? Come back to Jesus. But actually no one ever, well, very few people actually think about the son who stayed. And actually that followed all the rules and did all of that. But still was actually, and, and I've, done, I've done a lot of sort of the legalistic style of Christianity where it was all rule following and box ticking. And I found myself in both sort of scenarios. And it's always a passage that keeps coming back to me in fresh ways there's always something else that jumps at me there's always i always find myself in a different scenario of that story and there'll be more i'm sure but that's the one that sort of jumps out at me yeah and who are you listening to on your uh, worship spotify playlist at the moment then um i actually for many years probably you find you find this probably the case for a lot of musicians i actually don't listen to a lot of worship music i've recently gone back to it but i i I don't listen to a lot of full-on church worshipy sort of type of music. But right now, um, there's bands that sort of keep coming back. Right now, there's one guy I'm really into. He's called John Mark Pantana. It's, it's just super interesting sort of testimony, story, really interesting lyrics. Musically, it's just brilliant to listen to as well. It's quite chill, so it's also quite nice to just have it on the background. And he's got a book that links to an album that he created. So it's like really creative ways of expressing what he does, where a chapter, each chapter links to a song. Uh, of what he's talking about called Love Secrets. I'm really into that at the moment. But literally, like, next week, I'll probably have, like, another thing. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Because <laughs> yeah. I just listen to so much music. I have music on regardless of what I'm doing. Really? When we have dinner at home, I'll put something on. When I'm giving Miriam, my daughter, a bath, I have music playing in the bathroom when we're together. Talking about worship music, and you're obviously really passionate about music in general. Yeah. Is that the, the thing you're most passionate about? And, and what are you doing about it? Yeah, so I, weirdly enough, I've always played in worship groups. I've always been around worship groups. As a kid, as a kid I used to sit next to the drum kit on a Sunday and just watch them practice. And I've always been sort of obsessed. Bear in mind, the Salvation Army is a highly sort of super musical sort of space. I have a very musical family. Sort of my, my granddad was a bandmaster and my dad was like a choir, uh, like a lead of a choir. He played brass instruments, played... I, I grew up with watching him sit down and play guitar at home. So for me, it's just, it's like a second language. It just, it just, it was so natural. 
And it wasn't, honestly, until I joined Southwest London Vineyard that James Wake sort of really said, dude, I think, like, I think you'd actually have a calling in leading worship. Do you think that's something? And I was like, nope, don't want to. I'm happy to play. I'm happy to sort of be helpful. And if you need to play drums, I'll play drums. If you need me to fill a different gap, I'll fill a gap. But I, I, I actually have no interest in leading worship. And he sort of slowly and kindly pushed me into sort of realizing that maybe actually this may be something that God has for me. And I've wrestled with that through the years, I guess, going to a music college as well. And just, you're basically taught, you know, like, how can you stand out? How can you be better than everybody else? How can you do your own thing? How can you find your sound? And it's so intrinsically me, me, me focused that for me, it just became, it, it, it was always a real battle dividing the being on stage and being in worship leading. And that it's always been a tension for me. And I grew up in a quite conservative sort of Christian view, worldview, where it was like no secular music, all of that. So I have a lot of baggage with worship, which is why the worship leading for me was a bit of a, uh, like I, I was, my first instinct is to just like run away from it. But I'm surrounded by people that are encouraging me and sort of speaking God's truth into my life. Um, and I'm slowly learning to step into that and let go and try and find out what actually God has for me in that um, for my local community I'm not even talking about recording or doing anything yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but for my church and I know that you listen to a lot of music yeah. and you can't name your favourite worship song yeah. but do you have a favourite worship song that you like to play yeah so I have a um, oh that I like to play oof oof um, yeah probably old old school I actually played this in um, on the vineyard on the leaders meeting on monday but better is one day it's one of my all-time favorite worship songs it's just biblically rich simple in both sort of message and sort of musicality there's a lot you can do with it musically you can sort of reimagine it in really good interesting ways that make it interesting for people that are worshiping that's definitely a go-to for me so we talked a bit about what you're passionate about yeah. what i want to know is what do you do for fun for fun Oh gosh, are we going to go back to music again? Um, <laughs> I mean, that's what I used to do for fun. Um, since becoming a dad, that has taken a bit of a backseat. A bit is an understatement. The guitar is almost like rotting away in the corner. Um, but honestly, like the, the honest answer is uh, right now, like, my time is just taken up so much mm. by just being a dad. We're about to become second like time, second time parent, is that a thing? Um, I think we're so about thing. to have another girl. Um, and I know that my time is going to be even less. Um, so fun is just, I, I'm, I'm like, this is the thing. I'm really, I'm a really simple person. So when it comes to most things, like what, what most people find boring for me would be like the best day. Like one of my best birthdays was a lockdown birthday. It was just literally me, Emily and Miriam. And I had the best day stuck at home with them. But yeah, so probably just... It's just, it's been amazing just yeah. watching Mim, Miriam grow. But she just, she just continues to absolutely wreck me, like, in the best possible way, every day. Just, well, she is so adorable. Every time oh, I see her when I'm on Vineyard Kids, yeah, she just melts your heart. Honestly, and I could go on, like, yeah. I'm from gush over the, like, but... And I'm always super just, jealous of her wardrobe. She is always oh, yeah. that's the, Emily. the best dressed that's, that's kid. That's Emily, for sure. <laughs> I, I can't take any credit for that. I can dress her, but I can't take any credit for choosing any of the clothes. Don't any of the clothes. Uh, um, but yeah, honestly, just watching her grow and develop and all the little quirks that you get that I know sort of... Maybe single people listening will be like, oh, great. Now we're about to go into a parent sort of thing. But parents will, will, will get this. It's just, it's just, it's so tough, but it's also such a joy. 
um and it, honestly it's also just taking it takes most of my time that's most of my spare time is yeah. being a dad yeah um so yeah. yeah but it's really fulfilling oh so much yeah I, I love it like every second of it yeah it's great all right so we finished the you know serious side of the podcast oh god right. <laughs> i now want you to imagine that you're on a desert island alan oh. first thing i need to know is when you're on this desert island on your own does it okay. fill you with joy or does it fill you with dread on my own yeah even as an introvert i'm quite a sociable introvert I'll probably, like, it'll fill me a joy with to a certain amount of time. Like, it took me about 18 months of lockdown to start feeling like, oh, maybe I need other people around. Um, so I can, I can go for a while, but long term, it'll probably make me go a bit crazy. Yeah, I think that sounds I need, fair. I need a good community around me. It sounds like you can go longer than most on yeah. your own. You're, you're quite yeah, happy in your own me, company. It took me a long... Uh, honestly, lockdown, like, furloughed lockdown was probably some of the best couple of months I've had in years. And I'm not even exaggerating. In like, I was able to just be with myself, do some sort of self DIY and just work on some things I needed to work on. And it was like daily walks and doing DIY at home and being with Emily and having a baby. It was just, it was the, it was the best. And wow. I, I say this with caution because I know <laughs> yeah. it was really hard for some people and I don't mean to sort of, um, diminish other people's experience. I did, to be fair, I did eventually actually end up getting much worse because I lost my job in the pandemic. But the first, like, pre-chaos, yeah. <laughs> when we're all in the bliss yeah. of like, oh, what is this? Yeah, like, yeah, why am I yeah. getting paid to stay at home? Yeah. <laughs> like, that like that early part of the pandemic was um, yeah. total bliss. <laughs> so, so you don't so mind I'll being be, on I'll the... Be okay. I don't mind being by myself. So whilst you're there on your own for a while... Yeah. Uh, I would like to know what would you have as your snack of choice? What would you like to read? You get the Bible automatically, but what else would you like oh. to be reading? Or a podcast? I'll take a podcast oh. recommendation. Uh, in conversation with? Uh, yeah, <laughs> thanks, Alan. <laughs> um, but I know you listen to a lot of other podcasts which we've yeah. talked about, yeah, and um, and a luxury item. Ah, it's hard. A snack again. Me. This is going me going back to like being borderline boring and basic i'm upset i just love bread oh, do you know what? i i thought you were gonna say toast bread yeah just uh, bread and butter we go through a block of butter about like maybe a week and a half at home <laughs> because i just like i can just eat bread and butter non-stop wow. like bread butter pasta just good soulful basic food is just anyway um snack i'll i'll go with bread i could just eat bread Bread, bread. You're quite I know that is so boring, but no, it's I'll a good bread. staple. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, and butter. Can I have butter with that? Yeah, go on then. Okay. As soon as it's so basic, I'll yeah, let you have yeah, some bread yeah, and yeah, butter. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, whilst you're eating your bread and butter sandwich, uh, <laughs> what are you going to be reading? Oh my gosh. Um, oh, this is going to go into a whole other conversation. We've probably spoken about this out, out off the record, but I, I actually only started. And this sounds silly as a thirty-three-year-old man. But I only started reading when I turned like 30. I've never been academic. I had a terrible time at school. And I always saw it as like a massively academic thing. So I'm still really fresh to the reading scene. So I don't know what I'll take because I'm still like excited about like, whoa, what can I find? 
Oh, but All right. Can I recommend something for you to take then? Yes. Have you read any of the Chronicles of Narnia? Yes. Ah. Oh. I started last year reading that for the first time. Oh. Yeah. Because if you hadn't read that, boy. I'd be like, take the horse that. Horse and his boy was my favorite. Yeah. But I'll probably take. I'm really into like memoirs. Mm. I think we've spoken about this. We have. I'm really into memoirs and biographies for some reason. And again, I'm finding this out about myself. So I'll probably take a few of those. Yeah. You can. I'll let you name. You a can few learn people. a lot from other people's stories. Definitely. Hence podcasting <laughs> yeah exactly the link um and then lastly a luxury item i'm gonna have to say my guitar oh uh, yeah definitely yeah. that'll keep me entertained for hours yes yeah. that was the obvious at a desert beach yeah. yeah i'll even um, let you take a fancy guitar is there any yeah, like i've got a few of them you do <laughs> like one of my favorite ones one that actually emily got me it's one that i spoke about for years that i wanted and like eventually for one of my birthdays i can't remember which one she took me to a music shop we were walking around London and she's like, I'm going to take you to the next thing. And we started heading toward Denmark Street and I'm like, where are we going? Um, but like, oblivious, I was like, oh, okay, let's go into a music shop. And she's like, I want to get you a guitar for you, the one that you've always spoken about. Um, and it's a Taylor GS Mini Koa. Um, I don't know who know what that means, but uh, Koa is a type of wood. GS Mini is the model of the guitar. It's sort of like a three quarters guitar that you can take around with you. And it's just the best i just love that thing i have it out in the bedroom and Great. i'll give like little few seconds of playing before i go to bed or when i wake up um yeah that'll be my luxury item excellent it's a good choice i think yeah alan thank Super you so much for talking to me today thank you for having me pleasure <laughs>